Friends, welcome to the Sunday Sermon segment of We Need God. Please listen as Father Carrozza offers his homily for today, which was recorded live in St. Dennis Parish. Are you a virtuous person? Ask yourself that seriously. Do you consider yourself someone who is virtuous? Probably most, if not all of us, would say yes or, well, at least I'm trying to be so. And that's absolutely true. I don't doubt that for a moment about any of us. I don't think we could be here this morning worshiping the Lord if we're not trying to be virtuous people, trying to be the best we can be. Of course, we do fall short sometimes, and that's why we're struggling and growing in holiness. But at least our heart is in the right place. We're trying to be the people the Lord has created us to be so that we can make the world a better place. I thought is, I think one of the biggest problems we have in the world today is that there are far too many people who are not trying to be virtuous, who are not trying to live being the person God created them to be, to make a difference in the world and make it a better place, but whose only uh, uh, motivation in life seems to be, what's in it for me? How can I get the most out of this world for myself to milk the system and you know, to try to get the most out of it that they can possibly do so that they can live the high life and it doesn't matter what it means to other people. Very much like the person Jesus describes in the gospel reading today. The servant who says, my master is away and he starts beating the servants and you know, getting drunk and everything and figuring, oh, I'm just gonna get everything I can out of this and then just pretend to be good when the master returns and everything will be fine. And people who do that, I'm not talking only about public figures, but people in our own lives. We all know them. We have them in our families, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. People who will step on anyone to get to the top. They'll steal from their own relatives. They don't care what they do or how they harm anyone else as long as it benefits them. And they cause us so much pain, so much harm. And so much of the problems in the world are due to people who act such a way. And of course, the Lord calls us to be quite the opposite of that. As we hear in the gospel today, he's telling us to be vigilant at all times. In other words, to be people of virtue, to be people who are trying to be the best we can be. And if we're doing that, at least we're on the right path and the world will be better because we are trying our best to be virtuous. Of course, the challenge for all of us is to be perfectly virtuous. And none of us can say that we're perfect in virtue. That only happens when we're in the Lord's kingdom. When we've mastered every virtue, then we're in heaven and we're with the saints who have mastered everything. Here on earth, we're struggling. Some virtues we may have mastered, they come to us naturally, and others we have to work at each and every day. And that is the struggle of our spiritual life, of our journey each and every day of our lives, is to try to be as virtuous as we can, to master all the virtues so that we can be indeed perfect people. And in order to do so, of course, we need the Lord's help. Notice how it's very easy to do what's wrong and sometimes takes all of our strength to do the right thing. And I'm sure we've all noticed that at times. And that's because of original sin. While original sin is washed away in baptism, concupiscence, the inclination to sin, remains. And our journey in the spiritual life is to turn that upside down. What's been turned upside down, rather, by original sin, to turn aright. So that this way, virtue comes to us naturally. 
that we don't have to struggle for it, that we normally and naturally out of habit do the right thing and not the wrong thing. And that's what the spiritual journey is all about in our lives. And in order to do that, we have to make a distinction between virtuous people uh, or being virtuous and performing a virtuous act. And they're very different things. Even the greatest of sinners can perform a virtuous act, but we would hardly call them virtuous people. What's the difference between the two? Well, let me give you two examples that will help with that. And I want to say beforehand that I didn't make these examples up. Uh, they came from a, Dr. Edward Sri in a book of his that I've been reading recently on virtue. And so if you like the examples, you think they're wonderful, well, I can't take credit for them. They're Dr. Sri's. Of course, I guess that also means if you don't like them, I said, well, you can blame him. They're not mine. They're his. So. But at any rate, here's two examples, one from a woman's point of view and another from a man's. You have a woman who goes to a consignment store and she sees a pair of boots there and she looks at them and says, oh, they're lovely and they're my size. Uh, she goes, oh, they're great and they're very inexpensive. So she buys them, brings them home. And as she opens them and looks in, she discovers that inside the boots were um, snuck in or hidden in a pair of diamond earrings. And she pulls the diamond earrings out and says, wow, these are absolutely beautiful. They're everything I've always wanted. And I could never afford diamond earrings on my salary. There's no way I'm ever going to be able to get them. Oh, what a wonderful gift this is. For the cost of two consignment boots, I got a pair of diamond earrings. How lucky am I? But then she starts to think about it and realizes that, you know, I'm sure the woman who gave these boots into the consignment shop did not realize that the diamond earrings were stuck in them. And she's probably overturning her house, looking everywhere for the diamond earrings, saying, what did I do with those earrings? Where are they? I've lost them. And maybe, they're, maybe I should return them to the store and give them back to the woman. But then she starts thinking, well, but you know, if you own a pair of diamond earrings, you've got to be more responsible than that. How could anybody with diamond earrings just accidentally drop them into a pair of boots? Well, if you're going to be that silly and that careless, you shouldn't own diamond earrings. So therefore, you know, you've lost it by your own carelessness. And, you know, finders keepers, losers weepers and all that. Well, you know, I got lucky here. For the price of these boots, I got this beautiful pair of diamond earrings. But she goes back and forth in her mind saying, no, I don't think that's right. And then justifying it and then not. And ultimately at the end she says, no, this is wrong. I need to return the diamond earrings. So she does. She brings them back to the store and gives them to the owner. Another woman, very same situation, sees the boots in a store and says, oh, how beautiful. Brings them home and as she opens them, she finds the diamond earrings stuck inside. And immediately she takes them back to the owner of the store and says, yeah, I found these inside. I'm sure that the owner of the boots didn't expect these earrings to be there. Second example from the point of view of a man. A happily married man and is at work and a new woman is hired for, at the office. And... She's a good-looking young woman, and she starts flirting with the man. And it's obvious she's not just being friendly as a new employee or something. She's obviously flirting with the guy and is making advances towards him. And it's perfectly clear in her mind that she's looking for a relationship between the two. And the guy first says, well, you know, no, okay. Um, no, I'm a married man. I really shouldn't do this. But then he starts thinking, well, you know... Uh, she's really good looking and she's half my age and boy, does that make me feel good you know, uh, that somebody that young is still interested in me. You know, and 
you know, maybe I should go ahead with this. But then he starts thinking, no, I think it's wrong. I probably shouldn't do that. And, you know, what if my wife finds out? I don't think she'd be too happy with me. But suppose I do it and make sure that she doesn't find out. Then, you know, what she doesn't know won't hurt her. So he goes back and forth with this and ultimately decides, no, if my wife cheated on me, I would be very upset and very hurt. I can't do that to her. So he turns the woman down. Second person in the same situation, uh, a happily married man at work, this woman starts coming on to him and immediately he says to her, no, excuse me, I'm a married man and I don't appreciate this, please stop. And he ends it immediately. Which of those people in both scenarios was virtuous? And the answer is the second one. They had mastered the virtue because it came to them naturally. The woman didn't have to think about whether or not to return the diamonds. The man didn't have to think about whether or not to be faithful to his wife. It just came to him naturally because both of them had mastered the virtue. The other two, not to fault them necessarily, kudos to them, they did the right thing. Other people in those situations might have kept the diamonds or had the affair with the woman, but they had to think about it. They had to struggle with the idea, uh, should I or should I not do this? And ultimately, thankfully, they came to the right decision, but they had to struggle with it. Of course, we know there are other people who would have given into it, but these two didn't. So kudos to them for that. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying, you know, pointing a finger of blame at the the first two people in those stories. But the virtue was not mastered yet by them. They were still working on it. And you and I in some situations are probably just like the, uh, the second person, that we've mastered certain virtues that we would never be tempted to fall to them. But others, we might know that if we're tempted, we might have to debate in our mind, going back and forth, the old scenario of the, you know, the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other both tempting us. Hopefully we do the right thing in the long run. And that's where you and I are in our lives. Until we are perfected, until we have mastered every virtue, which will happen only when we're in heaven, we're going to struggle with some virtues. And we need the Lord's help when we're tempted to make sure that we listen to the Lord, helping us to overcome the temptation to do what is wrong and to do the right thing. And that is the struggle where you and I are each and every day in our lives. We deal with that. And for each person, it's something different. For some people, certain virtues we've mastered and we would never be tempted to fall to them. But others we know, no, I haven't mastered that virtue yet. I still have to work on it. And that's where the Lord is here to help us. He understands our weakness and he wants to lead us to help us grow in those virtues. So how do we acquire the virtues that we want to have? Well, first of all, the most basic thing to do is look at our hearts and our lives and say, what are the virtues in which I'm still struggling? Where do I need the Lord's help? And identify them. And even if we do with just one virtue at a time, pick one virtue and say, okay, I'm going to work on that virtue now in my life. And tell ourselves, what would a virtuous person do in any of these situations? And then start practicing being that person of virtue until eventually it becomes a habit for us. So for an example, let's pick a virtue that's probably pretty common that a lot of people would say they need, and that's the virtue of patience. And we say, you know what, I'm not always a very patient person. Maybe in some situations, but not in others. For example, when I'm driving 
And there's that one person maybe who was going so slowly and holding us back. And you ask them, you know, come on, speed up, do the speed limit and everything. You're holding me back. I'm going to be late. Or somebody else who's driving erratically or the person who cuts us off or whatever it may be. And we find ourselves getting really impatient, really annoyed with these people. Or it could be somebody who's on the line in a supermarket or a department store ahead of us and they get there and the clerk tells them the amount and they then decide to open their purse or their wallet and look for the money and they're pulling out $1, then $2, then $3 and the bill is $35.95 and they can do this one by one and then looking for the change and we start getting annoyed and say, come on already, you know, can't you just figure this out? You know, you're holding up the line and everything. And we realize we're being very impatient with these people. What can we do? Well, first, I always try to give the person the benefit of the doubt. The person who's speeding, for example. Maybe they're in an emergency. Maybe they're trying to get someplace quickly. They've got something going on. It's a medical emergency and they're even rushing to the hospital for one reason or another. Or the person who's slow. Right away, I try to look and say, are they elderly? And if so, well, an elderly person, maybe they're still able to drive, so it's not to say that they shouldn't be driving anymore, but they need to go more slowly because it would be dangerous for them to drive too quickly. So have a little patience on that. And or same thing if it's somebody on the um, the line in the supermarket or something saying, well, if it's an older person, you know what? Someday I'm going to be elderly and I'll be that way and I won't be able to bring out the money very quickly. So have patience with them because that's my future. Giving people the benefit of the doubt in whatever the situation may be. And if we're ever at a point where we're trying everything we can to give the person the benefit of the doubt and it's just not working, there seems to be absolutely no justification for why this person is doing what they're doing, then take a deep breath and say a prayer to the Lord and say, Lord, well, I offer my sufferings now for the souls in purgatory. And this way, at least we're doing something beneficial. So if we have to suffer the inconvenience of somebody else right now, rather than being impatient, we're turning it into something positive. And if we keep doing that, each and every time we're in that situation, eventually it will become a habit for us. We practice it enough until it becomes natural. And that's how we master the virtues. Now, granted, there are some virtues that are harder than that, especially anything of a compulsive nature. People who are dealing maybe with a gambling addiction or drug or alcohol addiction, sexual addictions or things where even the best efforts of people to try to overcome them are not strong enough and they just don't find the strength to overcome that addiction. Well, that's where maybe we need a little extra help. I need to go to somebody professionally to help us deal with it so we can overcome these addictions. And hopefully we won't be uh, afraid or ashamed or embarrassed to look for the extra help we need. But if we work on the virtues one by one, we will find ourselves becoming better people and will make the world around us a much better place. We all know from our experience how people who are patient, people who are virtuous, make our lives better. They have more understanding of us. They seem to love us naturally. They make the world a better place and we're happy to be around them. Whereas the people who are manipulative and just try to make sure everything in the world works for their advantage, how much pain they cause us. So today the Lord is challenging us to be virtuous, to be people who are struggling to be able to perform virtues naturally. Some of them may come right away to us. We've mastered that virtue, but the others we need to work on. 
And pray every day, asking the Lord to help us to know which are the virtues where we need a little help, where we need to grow. And ask him to strengthen us with that, so that as we grow in the virtues one by one, we'll find ourselves being better people, we'll be holier people, we make the lives of everyone around us better. They'll be grateful, even if they never tell us so by words, that that we are in their lives. We will be people who are making the world a better place. We will not be part of the problems of the world, but part of the solutions to the problems. And ultimately, the Lord will be pleased with us because we are working diligently to be the best we can be. And when our life is over on this earth, we will hear him say to us, well done, brave and faithful servant. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. May Jesus Christ be praised, now and forever. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Carosa. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carosa, please visit www.fathercarosa.com.